Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another edition of Patriots Beat here on CLNS Radio. I am your host, Jeff Kane, at Boston Fat Guy on Twitter. Of course, my co-host, Bob Snowden, at Snowden. Bob, you can follow the podcast as well on Twitter at Patriots Beat. And don't forget to download us, rate, review, and subscribe on both iTunes and Stitcher by going to www.clnsradio.com slash patsbeatstitcher and www.clnsradio.com clnsradio.com slash Pat's Beat iTunes. Patriots improved to 4-2 with a victory over the woebegone Buffalo Bills, and I shouldn't call them the woebegone Bills because they uh, they put up a good fight for the first half before the Patriots turned around and, and, uh, and came out with a nice victory, the second in a row, second in dynamic fashion for the offense. And it's a short week as they go up against those hated New York Jets. we got a lot to talk about today. Bob and I will uh, break down everything from the Patriots' victory over the Buffalo Bills. And a quick turnaround with the New York Jets on Thursday night. And, of course, the injuries. It looks like Stephen Ridley and Gerard Mayo both gone for the season. A sour note to such a big win. And we'll discuss who the bigger issue is going to be in replacing, whether it'll be Mayo or whether it'll be Stephen Ridley. I'm pretty sure Bob and I are going to disagree on it, but hey, that's what we're here for. So I'm going to bring Bob in to see how he's doing and go from there. So Bob, how you doing today? I am just looking forward to the Jets game, looking forward to see if it isn't a trap game, but the Buffalo game went so well and so many things happened and Brady in his second half, was as close to perfect as a quarterback can be. He was making long passes, which he hasn't done. Um, he nailed that one to Tim's. They couldn't have been thrown any better. Uh, Tim's made a great catch. His first NFL catch, and it's a highlight real catch. 
so how can you how can you feel bad after that Buffalo game? Other than it's kind of a bittersweet win, as you mentioned, with the loss of of Mayo and Ridley. And I'm sure we're going to disagree because I know your favorite part of the game. So I'm certain what road you're going to go down. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, yes. Unfortunately, the Patriots uh, have lost two very key players in Gerard Mayo. The the heart and soul of that defense. You heard. Terrell Rivas say after the game that um, it was a tragic loss to lose Mayo and that they went out and won it for him. And of course, uh, Stephen Ridley tearing the ACL and MCL. So he is definitely done for the season. Neither have been put on IR as of the time we're recording this podcast. Uh, We expect both of them to be put on IR. Uh, No official word yet on the extensive injury of Gerard Mayo, although we've seen uh, tweets out there and reports and even Bill Belichick uh, coming out and saying, I'd say it's not uh, not something that is um, light. You know, it's it's a bad injury. So, un- unfortunately, second year in a row, week six, Gerard Mayo is lost for the year. But before we get into the injuries, let's talk a little bit about this game against Buffalo because, I mean, honestly, you were right. That pass to uh, Brian Timms, and it was just perfect. I mean, landed right in that perfect pitch, even better catch. And Brady, he has been on this the last two games. He's playing with a fire that I haven't seen in a while. Even with the offensive line having a, a couple issues on Sunday, uh, he still was able to step up in the pocket. Uh, the pass to Tim's was amazing. The pass down the uh, down the sideline that caused the pass interference to Julian Edelman was going to be the same type of drop it in the basket catch. I don't know, Bob, if you ever remember going down to the training camp. They don't do it uh, much now, but uh, they used to do it in the Pete Carroll era, uh, where they would have a, a trash can about 40 yards downfield, and they would see if they could drop the ball into the trash can. And Brady definitely would have done that because those were two. Unbelievable throws, and I think my thought for the most impressive throw that he had all game long was actually a throw that he threw to Raw Gronkowski on a uh, on an outside wheel route down the sideline, uh, very reminiscent to when uh, Gronkowski got hurt against a uh, tennis excuse me the Houston Texans in the playoffs, where he just dropped it in on him on the sideline. Just some beautiful, beautiful throws by Tom Brady who. Seems to be playing a lot better than he did to start the season. Well, the thing I liked is in the first half, they were getting some pressure against him. And he was okay in the first half. He wasn't great, but he was okay. I want to say his passer rating in the first half was something like 86 or 87, which is much better than it's been. The thing I like, though, and you just mentioned it a moment ago, is when he got pressure, he stepped up into the pocket, something he hadn't been doing prior to the Cincinnati game. He he didn't seem to be worried about the guys at his feet that in the earlier games it was. It was like he said, okay, they're going to be there. I'm going to play my game. He got rid of the ball quickly. He didn't hesitate. I can't remember many times he had the ball that he hesitated. The time that he got sacked, nine out of ten quarterbacks are going to fumble that ball. And and when you how he look held at on your tape that. on the game, how he held on to it, I don't know. Uh, and, and he was getting some pressure, but he just – look like the old Brady. I mean, I know he isn't suddenly the Tom Brady of 10 years ago, 
but he looked like him, especially in that second half. And when they came out in the second half, he was, I mean, close to perfect. I, I, he missed two passes in the entire second half. He went 15 for 17 for 274 yards and three touchdowns in the second half. That's an unreal game. And, and like I said, he wasn't bad in the first half either, but that second half, just when you talk about the, the pass to Gronk, and yes, that was a good pass. I, I don't think he threw a bad pass. All four of the touchdowns were put exactly where the receiver would want the ball. There wasn't one about, that a receiver had to make a really good catch because Brady exactly. put it right there. Now, you know, the one to right, he was wide open, the the one-yarder. But the others, Dropped I mean, into a he basket. Hit La- 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 had two touchdowns, and we need to talk about him a little bit. Uh, and and I think he has now stepped up to be the number two receiver, as we've asked for a few weeks, and we kind of put him in that slot. But I think after this past Sunday, He's definitely the number two receiver because Brady's getting confidence in him. You know, it's crazy the fact that Brady is starting to really get some confidence in Brandon LaFell. Um, Man, very impressive. Both his touchdown catches were great, but the one that really stood out to me was, was actually his first touchdown catch. I believe it was on a third and 14 he uh, he worked a little option route into the into the middle of the defense, and the Buffalo defense was just absolutely confused. He got to the one yard line, and, and no one even stepped at him. Yeah, he, he, he did a little juke step when he got to the one yard line. But yeah, no one was and, and, coming towards him. You're right. There was a it, there was a defender maybe three yards in front of him who never moved. But he is definitely definitely coming along now as the second wide receiver behind uh, Julian Edelman and, and Rob Gronkowski on the season. Um, 11, I'm sorry, this, uh, my, I'll have to look at the stats there because I, I have uh, stats that have not updated right now on my app. Uh, so I'll have to go back in and look at that. Uh, but he just, I mean, really back to back Are you looking games, for the year, Jeff, or, or just that game? I was looking for the year. Okay, I well, I sent those to you, you know. Yeah, I know you if, did. If you, just... if you just didn't ignore the books and the volumes of things I sent to you. I get a little lonely, and I don't <laughs> want to read this stuff. All right, hold on. Let's, let's get into reading. What are, you, what are you looking at? 15 catches, 282 yards, and, uh, and three touchdowns. Um, you know, he's obviously he's the fourth leading wide receiver for the Patriots. Uh, Julian Edelman, his stellar self, 40 receptions. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, 26. And tell me right now, just a little pat on the back. I said week six for Rob Gronkowski. Now, he did have a very good game against the uh, Cincinnati Bengals, but there were those drops. Remember the drops? Yeah, yep. Last week, week six against Buffalo, he owned the Bills. He was back to being Rob Gronkowski. He was as close to 100% as I think he's going to get all year. He he got hit. He got hit on the knee, and everybody kind of gasped and wondered, but he bounced right back. He went to the sidelines, and everybody, every Patriot fan got kind of worried, but he said he just got the wind knocked out of him. Uh, but he was the Gronk of old. I mean, bullying people over, making the catches, not dropping balls, he, he he just adds so much to the offense, Jeff. He makes everybody else look so much better. He really does, and I mean, even even uh, your your new 
you know, fan of of Tim Wright. I mean, he only had one catch for for one yard, and it was a touchdown. Beautiful play, but he, while he didn't explode the way he did against the the Buffalo Bill, I'm uh, sorry, the uh, Cincinnati Bengals, he still had a good game. I mean, he wasn't out there for a ton of. Uh, yeah, I think he was there for like plays. 16 snaps, something like but that. That's all. But they uh, but they were they valuable. Did a, yep. Yeah, they were valuable snaps, and they did a lot of different um, formations against the Bills. It was obvious, and I'm going to give a pat on the back to Josh McDaniels. I never thought I, I, I would, but the last two weeks, he's he's called some re- really good offensive game plans. And and, and the one thing that I, I really liked about it is the way he mixed and matched his players coming in and out. They brought in uh, Man for a lot of snaps. Gave uh, uh, They were able to the second half uh, when Jerry Hughes was really eating up Nate Soldier. Uh, they found a way to chip on Hughes. Um, they did some nice things. And LaFell has really come aboard here. And they, as I said on the last Patriots beat, I figured that they would pass to set up the run. And while the run wasn't exactly the most impressive it's been, I mean, <laughs> I think they average just under <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think they averaged just under two yards per carry, but they didn't go away from That's it. it. That was the key. I really do, and I said that on the postgame show with Patrick. I was just so happy they didn't use that as an excuse to throw the ball 50 times. They didn't hit your 30, but they hit 27. And cons- they came close enough. Yeah, and considering how it wasn't working, that amazed me that he stuck with it because he quits. I mean, normally McDaniels quits as soon as the run stops working and you never see it again or you see it very seldom. He stuck with it through the first half and the second half of the game. And, I mean, no one was gaining yardage on the ground. Buffalo has a tough defense. Uh, no one's gained yardage on, yardage on the ground all year against the Buffalo Bills. But the one thing that was extremely nice to see was the fact, yeah, they continue to do it. And all that, I mean, we know that I sit there and say, all right, you need you know, 30 carries and you win. Yes, 30 carries and the Patriots have not lost in two-plus years when they hit 30 carries. But it's all the more as, as important, if not even more important, just to be balanced. And even if it's not working, to go and continue to do it so that, the defense can't just pin their ears back and go after Tom Brady, especially with the way that this offensive line, again, banged up on on Sunday. Uh, they were without Brian Stork, who I think is the linchpin uh, for this offensive line. And then Conley went out. Uh, and then Conley went out with the head. They both were out of practice uh, you know, um, today. Hopefully, hopefully uh, they play, but you're not hearing anything. My guess is that Conley will not play on a short week with a concussion, um, you know, a concussion issue. He's had some concussion issues in the past. My guess is that he sits. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Stork played, um, but he might not. They might just say, you know what, we have to sit him. And you're going up against a, a, a Jets team that, uh, you know, has an ability to get after the passer as well. But with the way that they've been playing lately, they were banged up, and they were still able to do do some things. I wasn't expecting huge numbers from the rushing uh, attack, but very happy that they allowed uh, the offensive line at least the ability to try to run the ball 
so that they weren't playing catch up all game long and, 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 and dropping back and, and going up against the uh, Buffalo Bills, who going into the game had 17 sacks in their first five games. And they only that's had two. I mean, that's pretty amazing. That, yeah, so, I mean, they held them, you know, 1.2 sacks below their season average. And, and, and those sacks were both, if I remember correctly, and I, I could be wrong here, were both extremely good speed rushers outside the edge by Jerry Hughes. Hughes had them both. And the Patriots had five sacks their best sack game of the year so far. And and I know Orton is not the most mobile quarterback in the world, but, uh, you know, they put pressure on him, and I thought that the Patriots played better than most people expected them to against Buffalo. Now, are they cured? Is everything ready to go forward? No, not yet. You still have to look at some things. Uh, and And... Are, am I encouraged by the offense? Yeah, I really am. Uh, I feel like it's starting to get together, but I don't want to get too excited because about three weeks ago I was all excited, and then they played Kansas City. Uh, and, and, in fact, in the first three games, the offense didn't do much at all. So even though they scored 30 points in Minnesota, it really wasn't the offense that did that. It was the defense. So I, I don't want to go overboard, and I am worried about the injuries. I am worried about Mayo. And, and, you know, you and I are going to talk about who will think the most. But as you as you looked at that Buffalo game, they did what they had to do to win the game. Turnovers got key turnovers at the end of the first half. That was that was a really <laughs> critical turnover. That was the uh, that it seems every single year. Against the Buffalo Bills, C.J. Spiller cough, coughs one, one up. That's actually three straight games in Buffalo against the Bills that C.J. Spiller has fumbled. I've been in all three of them. Three straight games. And I, and I, and I said to my buddy when I were walking in, I said, there's going to be a fumble by C.J. Spiller today. And he goes, no, no, no. And I go, yeah, it's going to be. And sure enough, you know, instead of taking the knee, which probably would have been a smart choice on on, on the Buffalo Bills, um, you know, there which would be taking the knee and uh, and going into halftime and and only being down, um, if I remember co- correctly, being down. Uh, oh, jeez, you know, look, I don't even come prepared anymore. <laughs> but no, only being down uh, ten to seven. Exactly. Yeah. They run the they run the football. They fumble a beautiful out pass from Brady to Edelman and then a 53-yard boot by Steven Gostowski, who just absolutely drilled that one. We'll get into him in a second, but that was that was a change of the game. If you look at that, that, that really right there is a 10-point swing. Because well, and then the Patriots handing, got the ball opening the second half. Exactly, and, and they marched right down the field and scored a touchdown. So, so that's when the game was... Literally over, although Buffalo did make some drives and scored some more points. But, I mean, that was the turning point. The, the First of all, the momentum that the Patriots got at the very end of the half with that long field goal after the turnover. And then the momentum carried right into the second half. Um, and at that point, I had no doubt that the Pats were, were going to hold on and win the game. Buffalo made a, a couple of nice drives. I mean, Buffalo didn't have a terrible offensive game. Three turnovers killed them, but overall the Patriots just Brady 
put the team on his back and and made the plays. And you'd have to say it was him. I know Gronk had a great game. I mean, 10 receivers, Jeff. When is the last time you can go back? And I tried to look it up. I couldn't find it. The last time that Brady threw to 10 different players. I mean, I remember seven. I remember eight. Ten players. That's unreal. Uh, I'm going to have to go to the way back machine. And, and you and I have talked about it many times on this podcast. That we remember when Tom Brady used to throw to the open receiver. He didn't have to rely on you know a Wes Welker or Randy Moss or uh, you know, Gronkowski or an Edelman. He went to the open receivers. And those receivers had names like Bethel Johnson and... David Givens and uh, Patton and and you know Dion Branch, Troy Brown, all all great players in Patriots history, but hardly household names anywhere across the uh, uh, you know USA. Now, if you were to say name me uh, you know three Patriots players uh, by the uh, name three offensive players to anyone in America right now for the Patriots, they're going to say Tom Brady. Rob Gronkowski, because the guy's pretty much larger than life. And, and then they're probably going to say Julian Edelman because, well, people love fantasy football, and, and, and Edelman is a good bet to get anywhere between five and ten receptions a game for this team. You didn't have that before, and, and Brady was was always the type of quarterback who just found whoever was open. And while after the big big four in, in Vereen, um LaFell, Edelman, and uh, and Gronkowski, you know, it, it's mostly one or two catches per guy. It's still one or two catches per guy. And and one last thought, really, on that, uh, you know, throwing to different receivers. There was one play in particular that just stood out to me. Um, it was a play-action pass. Brady was allotted a ton of time. He was waiting for a deep ball to to develop, and he pointed at who man. And who man went down the down the field probably twelve yards, and Brady put it on a dart to him. I mean, unbelievable dart to him, uh, and, and it was one of those times where he just found an open receiver, and it was probably his fourth or fifth look, and that's why I'm getting a little more excited about this offense than I was at the beginning of the year, and especially after watching the Kansas City game, is the fact that he's starting to look at his other wide receivers. He's starting to, as we said, gain that confidence in Brandon LaFell. It's no longer just the Edelman and Gronk show. Now, granted, they both had, uh, you know, 90-something yards each, but this is the type of type of players that they need. They need everyone to be open for this offense to, uh, to really click. And I can't believe 10 wide receivers... I also can't believe that out of those 10, Danny Amendola... I was just going to say, and, and if you asked me before the game... And and I'll back up. If you told me before the game Brady is going to have ten people catch the ball, could you name the ten? Amendola would have been in there. I can't. And he played twenty six snaps. It's funny because on the post game show, he was so uh, invisible in this game. I had to ask Patrick if he played because I didn't have the snap count, and I didn't remember him being on the the inactive list. But I didn't remember seeing him on the field, and he was on there for 26 snaps. Yeah, it's unfortunate. He's just, I don't know if, it, I mean, it came out that he had off-season groin surgery. He looks to be a step slow to me. 
he looks to not be getting in and out of his cuts as as quickly as they he has in the past, as quickly as he did in week one last year against the Buffalo Bills. He's not getting in and out of his cuts the same way. He doesn't have that explosion, and that could be one of the issues that we're seeing. Hopefully, and I believe that they can win without Amendola. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we all want to see Amendola do well, at least – the two of us on this podcast would like to see Amendola do well. Um, I don't think either one of us have any ill will towards Danny Amendola, as a lot of Patriots Nation really does have ill will towards him. Well, they hold uh, him responsible for Welker leaving, which is not true. But that, And I think that's where the ill will comes from, not because they necessarily didn't care for him, but also his injury history. But, I mean, honestly, if you really look at it, you know, and it's funny because I was on Twitter earlier today, um, you know, looking at the uh, looking at tweets and and getting prepared for the show, and and I followed Tony Maserati from the uh, from the Felger and Maz show, and he says, um, uh, "Caller, uh, the Patriots window closed uh, when Welker went to Denver, and Hernandez ended up in Walpole." Um, I'm going to say right now, I don't think the Patriots have missed anything with Wes Welker. Being I was just going to say, not with Welker. I do think they've missed Hernandez. With, with Hernandez, but yes. I, don't think, I, you, I mean, that. Edelman would not have done what Edelman did if Welker had stayed. So Edelman basically duplicated what Welker had done, plus he returned kicks. So you can't really say they missed him a whole bunch. And I liked Welker. I wanted Welker. I liked Welker. I didn't want to see him leave. I was disappointed when he left. But last year, you've got to say Edelman replicated whatever Welker would have given you. Maybe Welker would have gotten a couple of more TDs, but who knows? And, you know, Edelman got the yardage, got the catches, and I didn't see, you know, them missing him in the offense. Maybe early in the year when he didn't have people that he was on track with, Brady didn't have people he was in communication with. It would have helped to have Welker and Edelman out there during that stretch. It would have, and if you remember, if you look back at the start of the of the 2012 season, uh, a big thing going out in Patriots Nation was the fact that Julian Edelman had started over Wes Welker in a couple of those games. Yep. The game against uh, uh, the game against I'm trying to think who was the first two games uh, Tennessee, and then a game against the uh, the Arizona Cardinals. Where he started over him. Well, Welker, Welker started over West Welker. Welker was not exactly a Belichick type player because he spoke his mind and he said, and he liked to tweak Belichick. And Belichick doesn't like that, no matter how much anyone may say, oh, yeah, it doesn't bother him. But I, I, you felt that was retribution more than the fact that Edelman was a better player than Welker at that stage. But he was. BB was showing who was in charge, I think. Don't you? Yeah, no, I agree with you there. I think BB was showing what he was charged. But I also think that, you know what, I think that they got away from Welker a year before they should have. Um, you know, it, it's, how, it's how they've been. I mean, Welker last year uh, with Denver, now granted, Denver had more weapons than God. I mean, he's out. They're out there with Demarius Thomas last year, and and Julius Thomas, and Wes Welker, Decker. and Eric, uh, Eric Decker, and and 
no Sean Moreno last year. And Welker has, you know, 73 receptions for 778 yards. And, and the one thing he that he really did was, was step up. He actually set his career high in touchdowns last year with 10. Um, and, and this season, I mean, he, in three games, he's got 14 receptions for 126 yards, no touchdowns. And, I mean, nine yards per, per catch. Uh, we're starting to see Welker start to slow down. Um, so I really don't think it was Welker that that they missed last year and or going into this year. I think you've said it, and, and, and I'm coming around with it now, is the two tight end offense. And they've been using it more and more now. And I think that while the Patriots going, going into 2013 – when they made their plans, you know, they had two very um, good tight ends, young tight ends in Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski. And they were, gave them both long-term deals and they were building around those players. And I think they expected Amendola to come in and maybe not replicate what uh, Wes Welker was able to do, but bring them a facsimile to what they were able to, to do. And, And then having, uh, second round pick Aaron Dobson and fourth round pick Josh Boyce and uh, you know really uh, move things around. Done so well. Uh, to, I, you know I don't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, so, I agree. And I and you couldn't them, prepare. I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about our former Patriot prison yeah. mate, but there's no way the Patriots could have prepared for that. And when that occurred was just before they were opening camp, and. Yeah, it was like yeah. a month before. So, so how do you change everything that is in your playbook on offense in that period of time? It's hard to do. And then add to the fact that Gronk was out at the beginning of the year last year, so they had no tight ends. They literally did not have a tight end. We were all excited in, in training camp over, remind me of his name, the tight end that eventually went to the Jets and yeah, Zach Sudfeld. Sudfeld. We thought he was the next man. Topic. That was it. We were going to have Gronk, but look at Sudfeld. In the first game, he showed he wasn't going to be any help at all. And the Patriots literally took the tight end out of their offense as an offensive weapon at the beginning of last season and you know, changed their entire offensive structure. And that's tough to do, especially that late when when they knew they had to do it. So, I, you know, I give them credit, and, and last year, I mean, no one can tell me they went into last year after all the injuries and expected them to, to do what they did. Everybody had high expectations this year because all the injured players were going to be back. They had added Revis Island. Uh, so, so I think the disappointment in the early season is the expectations, mine included, were really too high for this team going into the year. And and. You know, they, we were all brought down to earth a little bit. But I, I still think now this – I don't see anyone in the division catching them. I, I You know, Miami has now lost uh, uh, Marino for the year, so they've lost their key running back. Uh, Buffalo, I think, showed the holes in their game Sunday and that they're not quite ready to step up in that league. And the Jets are terrible. I, I just hope this isn't the trap game coming up Thursday. Mm. It is, uh, and it could be. You'd hope that it isn't, and a silver lining, 
to the uh, the Patriots losing, and we'll get and we should really start to get into the injury talk right now. But in losing uh, Ridley and Mayo, is that it's going to bring a focus to the team. All right, we've lost you know our bell cow running back, and we've lost our defensive leader. All right, now we need to step up and do this. This is a home game on four days rest, um, and I, I I hate Thursday night football. I I think it is. Probably the worst thing that the NFL did did was add this Thursday night football. I don't agree with it. Um, you have not had very good matchups. I mean, even last week, uh, while the end of the, the final score was 33 to 27, uh, it was a huge um, lead for the Indianapolis Colts before uh, Houston made a comeback. There hasn't been a a watchful game the entire season, even week one where you had what you thought was going to be an amazing game with the Packers versus uh, the defending uh, champion Seahawks, that game was horrible. Every game on Thursday Night Football, it's it's, it's boring. I understand what they're trying to do by by taking this uh, media mogul, which is the NFL, and and garner more money and, and, you know what, pat themselves on the back. It's worked. But for the fan out there, it, it, it's not the same football that you see on Sunday. These guys trying to turn around and come back and play. I mean, if you really look at the Patriots uh, w- with having to play on Thursday night, now we know Mayo is going to be out and we know that Ridley's out. All right. But a, a guy like Dan Conley, who might have had a shot if it was a Sunday game to play, probably not going to play. Uh, Brian Stork, who who might have had a shot to play on, on Sunday, he may or may not play in this game, and same goes for linebacker Dante Hightower, which I I do think he plays Thursday night because I I think he was so close on I think he was so close on on Sunday you know his game time decision and he wasn't quite feeling it and and my belief is that the coaches said all right you know we have a game plan without you we need you for. Uh, the Jets game will get you to play in that game, and then you'll have you know ten days to recover before. Well, and that's the game. If there is a bright side to this being a Thursday night game, there's two two bright sides. One, you're playing the Jets, so if you're going to play someone on short rest this year, let's play the Jets. The second thing is that if they can hold on and win this game, and I think they will then they've got that long rest for people to recuperate and to game plan and have some time to to offset the loss of Ridley and the loss of Mayo. Unfortunately, Thursday night, they, they don't have contact practices. When you play Sunday and then you play Thursday, it's mainly game planning, uh, walk-through drills, and meetings. And, you know, that... that doesn't give you much chance, but the Jets haven't had a chance either, and the Jets are in disarray. Uh, you know, <laughs> Rex Ryan's job is on the line. He'll make it through the year, I'm, I feel fairly certain, but he's even frustrated, and you, if you read some of the quotes that, that Ryan has recently made, you can tell that he's feeling the pressure, and, and you know, this game probably is the Jets' Super Bowl. So they're going to be hyped up, but they're missing some key players too. When you go into the game, and 
I, you know, I, I just don't see the Patriots losing this one. They went into, you know, I didn't see them losing the Oakland one, and, and look what happened there. But I, I really don't see them losing this one because it's the Jets. Well, they didn't lose it. Well, it's the Jets, <laughs> and, and as much as you may, as I mentioned before, Jeff, as much as it may be a quote trap game, it's hard to figure the Jets as a trap game. These two teams just hate each other. Oh, they hate each other, and the Patriots can, I mean, they can honestly pretty much end the New York Jets season with a victory. I mean, the Jets will have dropped to uh, to one and six, and their only victory being against those those Oakland Raiders in Week One. They can absolutely just shut the door and say, "All right, New York, you guys, you know, better luck next year." Uh, Rex, thanks for your you know six plus years here as as the coach of the New York Jets, but but you're gone, Bob. Let's get uh, before we really get into the nuts and bolts of the Jets game. Let's let's talk about this these two severe injuries to two very good players for the New England Patriots in Stephen Ridley and and Gerard Mayo. They, these are two guys that will be sorely sorely missed. Uh, both on the offense and defensive side of the ball. Um, I'm going to let you go first with who you think is going to be the, well, the I, biggest I, loss. It, for in my mind, it has to be Mayo. The defense, he is the captain of the defense. Hightower, when he's out there, Hightower can play to his strengths, and Hightower has had a, a great, beginning to the season. He sat out last week, but prior to that, Hightower was really playing the best football he had. With Mayo out, you have to take Hightower out of that comfort zone. Um, and, and and I just, I think you're weakening two positions. One, how good Hightower was playing. So I, over the long run, I think it would have to be Mayo. I know the running game is, is your baby. Uh, you've, you've got me on board with it up to a point. But running backs are usually a little easier to replace. What I want you to tell me, because I know you and I went back and forth on on the linebackers, and you sounded like you really weren't worried about the linebackers, not that they wouldn't miss Mayo. And I want you to explain why, because you went through an explanation of the type of defenses they play. So tell me and the listeners why you're not as concerned about the loss of Mayo. Now, don't get me wrong, Gerard Mayo is the New England Patriots' best linebacker. And yes, he will be missed. But one of the reasons, and, and I think you came out and, and when we were talking, you said to me, Jeff, I think you're the only person on Patriots' planet that, that doesn't find the Patriots to be extremely thin at linebacker. And I really don't. And the reason for this is because of the defense that the New England Patriots have played this year. A lot of people have sat there and said, Oh, they're playing a lot of four-three, and they're doing, you know, they're they're in and out of in hybrid fronts, and they're playing five-two, and and they're doing this. Now, here's where I here's where I come from. Chandler Jones and Rob Nakovich are both listed on the depth chart as defensive ends. When it pops up on the TV on, on Sunday afternoon, when it when it tells you, you know, who's starting for the defense, and it says defensive end Rob Nakovich, defensive end. Chandler Jones. Here is what I'm saying. Chandler Jones and Rob Ninkovich have both played more snaps at stand-up linebacker. Stand-up players. They've played. There was a lot of, that came out from Mike Reese, who 
I have a lot of respect for about the Patriots for playing a lot of 5-2. And, and, and personnel-wise, it might look like that because you have in name-only defensive ends Rob Nikovich, uh and Chandler Jones in there along with uh, the, the kid Walker, uh, Chris Jones, and, uh, and, and uh, Vince Wilfork. So granted, in name only, you have five defensive linemen on the field and your two and your two uh linebackers were Skinner and Collins. Yet when you look back at the tape, you will see Rob Ninkovich and Chandler Jones for the most part stand up and, and it's funny I'll and in my focus on film article that'll be popping up uh tomorrow, you'll you'll see uh I, I highlight uh three different spots in the New England Patriots versus the Buffalo Bills game, where they came out and they started with Vince Wilfork playing an end role, uh, Walker in the center uh, at the nose tackle position, and Chris Jones playing the other um, end position with stand-up linebackers. So while I think losing Gerard Mayo is a big crux in this team, I don't feel that they are extremely thin on linebackers because – if you look at the way Bill Belichick built this roster this year, you look at all those names that, that were out there at defensive tackle, and you were like, I mean, Joe Villano, of course, is no longer uh, you know, on the active roster. He's, he's on the practice squad now, but he made the team. Chris Jones made the team. Dominic Easley made the team. Uh, Vince Wilfork, of course, all these players that were defensive tackles, and you're like, what are they doing? Well, Bill Belichick went back to his roots and started playing – more three four than than he has in the past couple years, and he has the ability to do that because of the flexibility of Chandler Jones and and uh, and Rob Nikovich. So while yes, losing Mayo hurts, and you know it's it's going to force players out of position. I don't find that it does because when they're in the base defense this year, the base defense has been a three four. And it's had Jones and and Nikovich as the stand-up outside linebackers. And when Nikovich wasn't a stand-up outside linebacker, it was Dante Hightower. And you had Mayo and uh, Jamie Collins inside. And, and that's the one thing that uh, you know our, our good pal Bobby Kaversky, our, our Patriots beat guy, he's sitting there saying that well, Collins isn't a inside linebacker. That's not what he does. He's an outside linebacker. Well, he hasn't played much outside linebacker all season long. He was listed as an outside linebacker when you turn on the television, and it gives it. It says he's an outside linebacker. But he's played that that uh, weak inside linebacker role opposite of of Gerard Mayo. So I don't feel it's as big of a loss as well. It is a big loss, but I don't feel they're as thin because of the fact that they use those two end of the line players differently. It's a long really explanation. <laughs> <laughs> well, you went into the nuts and bolts, and I know you did it, and you feel very comfortable in what you're saying, and I know you look at your film and you study the defensive formations. We'll have to wait and see. I, I just really do think they're thin and have been thin, and they don't, by doing... Losing Mayo, they have to put people in positions that aren't their strength, whether it's Jones or Ninkovich. Um, I, I just you, – you, you're moving people around to make yourself not be thin there, 
but in every case. But they haven't done that yeah. this year, is what I've been what I've been trying to say, because they've already had Jones and Nikovich playing off the ball, and, and the base of a three-four defense. The, the the beauty of it is you have the three down lineback uh, down linemen that are rushing the the quarterback, and then you always have but an you, edge rusher. You also had and, Mayo all year, and you had him. You did. I believe he had the most snaps of any defensive player. He, oh, he led the team in tackles. It, it just that's it, they may have been moving defensive players around, and I buy into that. But Mayo was a key component of the point. And I'm not saying he, I'm not saying that he isn't. I, I believe the loss of Mayo hurts a ton. All I'm trying to say is how they've built this defense this year um, with the linebackers, and a lot of people sit there and say there's no linebacker depth because they look at Ninkovich and they look at Jones and they say, all right, those are defensive ends. Man, we only have three linebackers and and when they're healthy they were they were high tower collins and uh mayo well geez we only have three linebackers and you know we have then we have chris jones and and this Devontae skinner kid and skinner um, had a nice and, sack, and that's it what, yes oh beautiful beautiful uh delayed he blitz. timed it perfectly uh, he's a player that uh he did he's a player that uh that reminds me uh a little bit of um Roman right. Pfeiffer, actually, uh, the ability, uh, you know, what I've seen on tape, he can do a little bit of everything. He's not good at any. He's not great <laughs> he at any. He can do a little thing, of everything, but, but he's he can not do good a little at any of them. <laughs> well, yeah, I, he's not I great at anything. I'm yanking I mean. your chain again. Yeah, but uh, you now, what were your thoughts on Tavon Wilson but, playing linebacker? <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> that was a little scary. Uh, yeah, Tavon Wilson. I, listen, Tavon Wilson has a spot on this team, um, but it's not linebacker. That's fine. all right. Let's go to <laughs> let's go to. I know who you are going to say they're going to miss the most, and and I think you're going to say it mainly because of who you don't like more than your love of Ridley. Although you liked Ridley, but go ahead now. You tell us who you think they'll miss the most and why. Well, I think that it is Stephen Ridley that they're going to miss the most, and it's it's not because I don't like Brandon Bolden. I mean, it, it's it's documented. I, I don't find him to be a very good running back. Uh, he showed me again, you know, on on uh, Saturday or Sunday that he's not a very good running back. Yes, he had an eight yard carry, and then he follows that up with a two yard loss. And uh, granted, the running game really couldn't do much. Uh, in that game, I mean, Ridley's long was was nine yards, and then he got stuffed a couple times uh, in in back packages. The reason that I I feel not personnel wise, but Stephen Ridley gave you a running back that could run the ball as he did in Cincinnati, twenty five, twenty seven times a game, and you could rely on him. Now you're going to be sitting back and you're going to be relying on. Shane Vereen, who personally I'd like to see them kind of take the cover off of him and, and, and you know, take, take you know, it's time to take the, the, the car cover off that Ferrari. He's got moves, and, and it's time to let him get a couple scratches on it because this is the kind of guy that you need to have out there. Uh, my biggest concern is that we've seen it with Josh McDaniels so many times 
in his career as the New England Patriots offensive coordinator where he outsmarts himself and he gets to run happy. You mean pass and happy? I'm just afraid. I know you pass happy. I get to run happy. But I'm just afraid of the fact that he's going to sit there and say, all right, well, I've handed the ball off to Ridley once, uh, and they're not going to go in that two-back set where you know they, they've averaged more than uh, one yard more per carry when they're in a two-back set than they have anything else. And I, I just feel that they're going to try to do things that, that they are not set up well to do, that they'll get away from the balanced attack because of the fact that they don't have that every down running back. Listen, I hope Brandon Bolden proves me wrong. Nothing in his career, save a, a very big game, 137 yards, if I remember correctly, against the, the same Buffalo Bills in 2012, nothing in his career shows me that he can do it. And people will sit there and, and, and point to the fact that, well, you know, he had 5.4 yards per carry last year, or 4.5 yards per carry last year. Yes, but two of those runs equaled 81 total yards. Yeah, but you take they, 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 those yeah. two runs And I know out. we've talked about it, and I don't want to cut you yeah. off, but I'm going to do it anyway. That's the same thing with Ridley the uh, last the week before when he had that great running game, but forty something or on one yard. That's what that's what we liked about Ridley was the fact that you may stop him for the first fifteen or twenty runs, but at some point he's going to pop one. Now I don't think Bolden has the speed to really pop a big big one if the defense is halfway prepared for it. But but being able to take those long runs whenever you see a running back that has those huge games, it's very seldom there aren't at least two or three really long runs that help them, the numbers go up. Well, I mean, granted, yes, you are right that there are sometimes that the numbers go up, but Stephen Ridley normally churns out four, four to four and a half yards per carry. I mean, when he hands the ball off, he might not... You know, he did have a 43-yard run against the Cincinnati Bengals that upped his average. But Ridley would, you know, I'm telling you right now, and, and Bobby Kaversky said this again, uh, you know, in our in our Patriots beat chat where he said, you know, he uh, bold and runs the hardest that he possibly can for two yards. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I just don't see and I, I'm not saying he's Ridley. I'm, I'm not saying he's Ridley because he's not. I mean, he barely made the roster this year, and many of us were surprised he and if it wasn't for yeah. special teams, so, he so wouldn't. Jonas let's, Gray outplayed him. And, and I was going to go down that road a little bit. I don't know that they will do it this in this short term. Now, my understanding in read is Gray has been really good on the practice squad. I don't know how a running back could be really good on a practice squad. But supposedly he has shown continuation of what he did in the preseason. And he did it in the preseason better than any other running back. And, and in, in a few of those instances, it was against starters. Not many. Most of them were against the, the backups. But he actually started a game or two, if I remember right. And, yeah. He played with the ones so, a couple times and had some good runs. I was quite surprised that he did not make the team and Bolden did. But then looking back at Bill Belichick and his love for special teams, Bolden, um, you know, he, he – Prove me wrong on special teams yet again, uh, uh, 
drawing two holding penalties uh, this week. So he is a core special teamer. I just believe that Jonas Gray as a running back is a better running back. And and here's where I'm, I'm just hoping that the Patriots continue a balanced attack and continue to go out of traditional sets with Vereen. And my guess is that they bring James White up and, and see what he can do. Well, this do is his chance. And kind of... This is his chance, you know. There was a lot of talk about him uh, this preseason in the OTAs. In fact, I even asked Stephen Ridley um, about uh, Jonas, uh, sorry, James White, and you know he was he was very glowing in what he had to say about James. I asked him that out during the, during the preseason this year. Steven, how do you feel about your uh, running back teammates as a group? Uh, I say it every year, man. I love my group. I really do. And uh, I say uh, particularly, not to single out one guy, but James. You know, James has come in. He's done an awesome job. So there you have it. Steven Ridley, of course, injured by the Patriots, uh, has glowing things to say during training camp about James White. Unfortunately, it didn't turn into, in the in the first couple preseason games, uh, and, and whether that was blocking assignments or him just not having seeing the hole right. But this is a guy that, you know, was a four-year player at Wisconsin who's you know, can turn out some pretty good running backs and some great offensive linemen. So I'm not that worried about James White. I think that they can, between Bolden, uh, Vereen, and White this week, that they can have a balanced running game. If they game. stick to the run. And, and my concern I, is the same as yours. They need to uh, stick to it. That McDaniels will use this as an excuse because the Jets are good against the run, kind of like the last two teams the Patriots have played, uh, and especially Buffalo. I mean, the the Jets, when you look defensively, uh, they're eighth against the rush. They're giving up less than 100 yards a game. So that is their strength. Um, and, and defense, as has always been the case with the Rex Ryan coach team, is their strength. But but they're not really great on defense as they have been in past years. I think their secondary is really vulnerable, and now they've got some injuries in that secondary too. So I think that you're probably not going to see the balance quite as much as we saw last week because it's the Jets and because of the issues they have. What I hope is he doesn't go completely away from the run and you know three and out on passes and three and out on passes you got to have the balance in there. But I don't know that you'll see as much balance as we saw in the last two games, particularly two games ago. Exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. And then that's that's the biggest thing there. And I haven't always hated Brandon Bolden. Uh, you know, I, I haven't. I mean, to go back to his rookie year, I was at training camp, and I mentioned on uh, my podcast that I thought he was a very uh, useful player. Uh, an undrafted rookie free agent. I I thought that he was a good player. So here's what I had to say about Brandon Bolden uh, in 2012 after I saw him at training camp. And then, of course, the rookie uh, free agent on an old Miss, Bolden, uh, has been turning some heads. And, of course, uh, uh, Ridley has also been doing some pretty nice things. Shane Vereen, a little quieter camp, uh, and Danny Wood has well, but uh, I'm telling you right now, maybe that Bolden kid out of Ole Miss will be the uh, undrafted rookie free agent that makes the team like we seem to have every year that turns around and, and does something. Uh, where it really turned on me was after he got suspended for PEDs, and then you stopped seeing that explosiveness that he had. 
and it, it tells me I have an issue. Yeah, but if you if you you uh, like Brandon Browner, you like I mean, there's there's other players that have. I don't never said I like Brandon oh, Browner. Come yet. on, in the preseason before no, when I, they signed him, you were doing backflips. Oh, I F. was not. <laughs> All I'm saying is I I, I, I don't like them doing PEDs. However, there are players that have done them and still come back and, and been good players. The 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 thing I look at in, in in this particular game is the Jets have absolutely no offense. They're terrible on offense. So even without Mayo, I they, they no and they're gonna start Geno Smith again. Now, they started him last week, Ryan said I'm not going to pull him out before the game, but he pulled him out. Vic went in. Vic looked worse than 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 Smith looked, and now they're really in a turmoil. They don't have an offense. They're 30th in the league in points scored, 30th in yards, 32nd dead last in passing yards per game, uh, and they do rush the ball. And Ivory is someone I worry about uh, because they're they're 12th in rushing. If the Patriots can stop him, I don't think the Jets have any other weapons. You know, it's crazy because at the beginning of the season, I actually looked at the Jets and and I thought they would be the second best team in, the, in this did. division. I think everybody because did. I, yeah. I, I thought that you know with the two-headed running back um, of Chris Ivory, who had a very good season last year. And and Chris Johnson, you know CJ2K. I thought they would be great. I mean, they uh, Bilal Powell last year had 800 yards rushing for this team. So I figured, geez, Chris Johnson's a lot better player than him. Sure, he isn't the same Chris Johnson that ran for uh, 2,000 yards in 2009, but he's still or 2010. He's still still a phenomenal player. And I, I looked at it and said, oh, you know, they brought in Eric Decker. Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Curley is a, a very good slot receiver. Uh, they got Jay Samaro who. A lot of Patriots fans, I believe even you, were very I, he was high on tight trying end to get Jason Morrow. He was that tight end that you wanted, and you know he uh, he leads the Jets in receptions. I mean, he's got 24 receptions this year, but their problem is that quarterback play. I mean, Mike Vick, 8 of 20 in, in his limited time. I mean, 40% completion rating, and Geno Smith... Uh, you know, he's got six touchdowns, seven interceptions, and he's only completing 57 And he's going to make – Smith and, and, is going to make at least one, if not two, terrible decisions in every football game, in every game. He, 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 the minute the fans of the Jets start to get excited and going, okay, he's now playing smarter, he does something that is so dumb that you just don't understand. He, and, and, you know – he has done things that are stupid off the field, missing a practice when they go out to the West Coast because he lost track of the time and he was still thinking East Coast time, which made no sense. Yeah, but I mean, how do you do that? Everyone in the world carries a, a cell phone. Bob, you're you're an old bastard. Yeah, you don't have, have a, a cell smartphone, phone. and you look down. I just have a cell phone. Well, yeah, but still, you have a you have a cell phone, and the minute you, I don't know who you have for a. Uh, for a provider, I have Verizon. The minute I go across a uh, a timeline, it, it automatically yep. changes things back. So 
I'm not going to sit there and you know give this kid a pass. Well, this is cursing out the ugh. fans and making hand gestures when he leaves. This he is an immature quarterback, and he was well, in West Virginia. I mean, West Virginia. Hey, wasn't well, Jameis Winston yeah. immature? I mean, Jameis Winston's going down everybody's ladder too for for I, I don't want to say intelligence, common sense. I think would be the word I. And, I and think that's the I, I just there. don't see Smith as being the answer. Vic hadn't played now, other than that little bit last week, and the Patriots were always fairly successful against Vic, even when he was in his prime with Atlanta. I remember they they really keyed and shut him down one of the times they played Atlanta. Now he may have had some good games against them too, but I I remember one game I went in going, oh man, we're really going to have problems. And everybody stayed in their lane. They were able to contain him and keep him in the pocket. And that's not where his game has strength. And they stopped Vic Cole, but that's going back many years ago. Vic's not the same. Yeah, Vic's not the same player today. He was then. A couple things going forward into this Jets game, and, and there's a couple things that, yes, we have you know talked here about how the Jets do not have an offense. The uh, two things that do concern me are Jason Morrow and who's going to match up with him. We saw it, uh, Scott Chandler, and and Scott Chandler is a Killer. Patriots uh, eater. Oh God, he, I mean, we talked about him in the off season and just bringing him in here every single year. He seems to have a very good game against the Patriots in Buffalo. And that was one of the things when we were talking about uh, bringing tight ends in is, is Chandler could have been that guy. Now, granted, uh, with the trade that they've made for Tim Wright, Tim Wright uh, maybe fits this team a little better. So Jace Amaro, the, the rookie tight end out of Texas Tech, I'm wondering how they slow him well, down. And he's not – he's dropping a lot of balls too. I watched – a good bit of that game, yes. uh, say, and he dropped at least two or three where he was just, I mean, simple drops where he was open. So he's he's playing like a rookie, I guess, would be the way I would phrase it. Uh, yes, he has skills. His average yard per catch, I don't have it in front of me. I want to say it's like eight yards. Uh, yeah, so he's, eight not, eight. he's not a downfield long like Gronk. He's not what I thought yeah. he was going to be. I, I, it, I mean, he caught 110 passes at Texas Tech. Now, granted, Texas Tech, uh, you know, it, it's a wide-open scheme. It always has been. Uh, he was more of a slot receiver than a tight end. So I don't think that what they're doing in New York exactly fits him. But it does concern me with the fact that the Patriots had a, a hard time defending uh, right defending but, but against as much as I'm, I was end. down on Kyle Orton and felt like you know he he didn't scare me going into the game and I know you and I talked about that. I, Smith scares me even less. I don't care who his wide receivers are; they can't throw the ball to themselves. And and Smith is just horrendous. So the one thing that scares me a little bit, and now they they have definitely fixed their rush defense the last couple of weeks. It's the fact that the Jets run a lot of that that pistol offense. And uh, CJ2K and and Ivory with that pistol offense, that's been one thing that the Patriots haven't exactly 
um, done a phenomenal job at uh, at stopping. That's been you know one of those one of those things that just if they're gonna beat them, they could beat them that way. Especially with missing Mayo, that might be a, a way that they decide to to attack the. Well, uh, and and out of that offense, though, again, and I I don't mean to keep harping on Smith, but I'm going to. Um, he throws interceptions a lot of times out of that offense. He he threw one Sunday where yep. it was just the dumbest pass I've seen. It got intercepted, and I want to say run in for a touchdown. The, the Jets have nine turnovers. They're uh, not nine turnovers. They're minus nine on, on the season, and the Patriots are plus six. Or no, the Patriots are up to plus. Hang on, I, I want to say plus nine now because of what they did Sunday. Yeah, they're plus nine. So, you know, again, I don't want to keep harping on that uh, or or Smith, but I I just I can't see I can't see the Jets scoring more than fourteen points, and I don't even see them scoring that much. I can't see the. Go ahead. Before we. No, and I don't no, see the ahead. Patriots sorry, scoring less than fourteen. So. Yeah, exactly. So before we get into though final scores here, we always talk about how we think that the Patriots don't defend the tight end well, um, and they've had problems for years. But really, this year they, outside of of, of Scott Chandler last week, and a seven reception performance by uh, the tight end out of Kansas City, Kels. They've held the tight end in check. Jermaine Gresham against Cincinnati only had two receptions. Uh, Charles Clay uh, against Miami only had two receptions. I don't think a tight end um, in the excuse me in, in the Raiders game had more than one wide uh, one reception. And, and then Kyle Rudolph, while he did catch five passes against the Patriots, he never really yeah they they haven't us. been as big a factor as so, they've been in the past, but. No, Part they of that passed, but has been my Hightower has improved that much, and and that, I think that definitely. is a key part of it because it used to be Hightower's role to cover that tight end coming across, and he was terrible. And at he was it. bad at it. So um, let me ask you this question because all indications show that Brandon Browner is going to play this week. Do you think? having Brandon Browner in there is going to help the Patriots in defending Jason Morrow. And, and, and not because he'll be locked up on him, but because he can defend the outside wide receiver. And, and in my guess right now, if, if I'm drawing up this game plan, I'm going to draw it up with uh, Darrell Revis absolutely blanket coveraging uh, uh, Jeremy Curley. Curley. And and then have Decker get kind of you know double teamed by McCordy and whoever that cornerback is. We saw what uh, the Seattle Seahawks were able to do to Eric Decker last year in the Super Bowl. Eric Decker in the Super Bowl was the the missing man. They mauled him at the line of scrimmage, and he just couldn't. At six foot two and his size, you'd think he'd be able to get off the line in press coverage. He can't get off the line. If I'm the Patriots and Brandon Brown is healthy and ready to go, I'm having him on Eric Decker mauling him, absolutely mauling him, and that allowing 
uh, Alfonso Dennard and, and Kyle Arrington to work on Jason Morrow and, and get some bracket coverage. I, on I agree. Right Decker's there. playing hurt. He's been playing hurt all year. So he doesn't have blinding speed right now or is not the player he was uh, last year in Denver. And you're right. He got stopped cold in the Super Bowl. So Decker doesn't worry me a whole bunch. I don't – you know, I look at this as a game where – I want to let Revis play Revis's game, and they have let him play that the last two games. And he has so, been the last two weeks. You know, whether oh, they march, you put him up against Decker, the Jets just don't have anyone that really scares me from, from that standpoint. So your question revolved around Browner and whether he would improve them. I don't know, Jeff. I really don't know. I like uh, Denard or Dennard getting – the experience he's been, he's gotten beat a few times. Um, Browner's that physical guy, and Amaro isn't blazing fast. You know, Browner's weakness is that the quick receivers get by him and he can't keep up with them. Well, I don't think Amaro falls in that category. So, in this particular game, if he is healthy, if he knows the game plan, because that's part of what came out of him not playing last week wasn't so much injury, but the fact that he wasn't comfortable with the defensive schemes yet. Uh, but And that's been... Yeah, but do you Belichick. think Belichick would ever agree that that was the case? I mean, I... I no, I don't, but I still think you, that... You know Bill Belichick never lies, so I guess you're right. He never, he never yeah, you know, says exactly. something that has any untruth to it. So I think Browner is going to be an asset to the team, yes. Um, but his asset is going to be against players like Amaro because there aren't speed burners. Um, when you play someone that has two fast uh, wide receivers, I'm not sure Browner will have the impact we originally thought he would have. Well, yeah, maybe you're right there. All right. Well, we, we're to that time in the uh, did you say I was right? We're, we're running oh, wait out of time. Can we record and yeah, hold this for I a did. while? <laughs> Man, we are at that. We are at that point of the podcast where we're running out of time, and it's time to pick our winners and, and players of the game, and this, that, and the other things. So, Bob, I went first last week, and I stole your score. So uh, I'm, I'm ready. Let's, 30, let's hear it. Thirty-one what, what to fourteen, Patriots. I, yeah, I, I, now, the only thing that may hold that down, it's supposed to be raining. It's predicted to be a a really bad day for rain, which will hold the score down, um, I think, a pretty good bit. But, but overall, I just don't see the Jets being able to stop the Patriots offense. And, and I've already expressed my feelings about the Jets offense. All righty. All right. Well, do you want to go with your players of the game well, right I'm now with, and, and, and make sure you pick someone on offense? Make sure you you pick someone on offense and defense who you know, I know uh, won't get I hurt. Next Mayo last week. Uh, you know, I, when I look at the offense, and I, I hate to sound like someone who is going to piggyback, but Gronkowski is so important to the offense. I, I'm going to pick Gronk. I, I really do think he can eat up the Jets. Now, they may not need him to as much, but I'm going to go with Gronk on offense and on defense. <laughs> Please let him stay healthy. I'm going to go with Hightower. 
<laughs> now, while you jinxed uh, Mayo last week, I actually picked Rob he did, and he despite, rewarded me despite the with fact three sacks. that prior to those three sacks, someone was sending us a message that my God, I didn't realize how slow Dinkovich had got. And then two plays later, he had a sack. Uh, he, exactly. And I asked, so I'm going to pick on Dinkovich every single week because I did. I, last week on Patriots beat, I came out and I said that I thought he was, I said, he's had a very quiet season. I think it's going to be his breakout game. And he broke out with three sacks. And I think I was very, well, <laughs> I had a couple cocktails in me in the stands and, uh, he had gotten beat and and not only beat but just didn't wrap up his tackles and i said wow he's really lost a step and then he turns around and and gets three st- three sacks so uh i think the patriots are winning this game 24 to 10 uh i i think that's going to be the final score and my player of the game is actually going to be tim wright i hope you're right good I think good tim wright is uh, i think he's going to i i think with the injury to Ridley, that they are going to move more back to that 2012 offense where you saw a lot of Danny Woodhead in that backfield, and they're going to use Shane Vereen in that same type of role where, where they could go in and, and, and use Tim Wright, and we saw it in the preseason, use Tim Wright as an H-back, fullback in the backfield, Use him as an inline tight end in an H formation. Use him as a slot wide receiver and an out wide wide receiver. And I expect a lot, and I know I said they couldn't do it a couple weeks ago, but I expect a lot of no huddle, and I think that's how they'll end up attacking with the loss of Ridley, at least this week until they, listen, they got they got this game on a short week, and then they have 10, uh, 10 days before their next game against the Chicago Bears. So I really believe that they're going to not dumb it down, but they're going to go with what works. And what's going to work is going back to that 2012 offense where uh, they, you know, use Vereen as the so Woodhead type of that. player. I mean, that was that that is so obvious he that is. he is more comfortable when they mix that in. Uh, and I like Wright. I, I, you know, he only had one catch. Uh, I know last week, but I really like this guy. I, I don't, I'm not going to say he's going to be a Hernandez, but I do think he is a key component of this offense and becomes more and more so as the season progresses. So I like your pick. Actually, yeah. Thank you very hey, much. Hey, you agreed like with me on something. I guess I got to give it back a little bit. All right. Two quick things. Number one, join myself and Patrick Shankauer after the Patriots game on Thursday night as we will break everything down on the CLNS Radio Patriots post-game show. And you can, of course, follow along on Twitter at, at CLNS Radio, on Facebook, www.facebook.com slash CLNS fans. And don't forget to text on board to 228 to get on board with CLNS Radio and get yourself ready Rate, review, and subscribe to each and every one of our podcasts, but especially to the Patriots Beat Podcast. Again, we were said that clnsradio.com slash Pat's Beat Twitter, Pat's Beat iTunes, and Pat's Beat Stitcher. There you go. Stitcher. So do – yeah, Stitcher. I like, I like the old Stitcher. And uh, we're going to have another uh, 
with the, with Patriots beat here releasing Wednesday morning, um, we normally release Friday morning, but of course that would get in the way of uh, the Patriots post game show, and you know we we kind of talk about the game before the game starts, so we've had to release early. We're going to have a special Patriots beat uh, coming up, and hopefully we're going to have all the members of uh, Patriots uh, beat team involved in that. Myself, Bob, uh, Bob, Bobby, and of course Billy Wyatt, our new guy, uh, Scott Baines, Patrick Shankauer, and uh, Sam. Geez, I always, yes, <laughs> Sam, our buddy Sam. So we're hopefully all going to be going on that. That, and, and even though it's only going to be seven games into the season, it's going to be a kind of uh, a halfway point, look back at the season, see how things are going uh, on Patriots beat. Bob, I'm going to leave you with one final question uh, because uh, when Jimmy Garoppolo was picked in the the second round, you went wild because you wanted C.J. Fedorowicz. C.J. Fedorowicz has exactly one reception end. for seven I, yards. I, well, there wasn't I another one available I at that time. You no, know, I liked Amaro. I think when Amaro so was still CJ Fedorowicz was the was he? No, Amaro was gone earlier in the earlier in the second round to the Jets. Austin Safarian Jenkins, who was who was my guy, was gone to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh we saw Eric Ebron, who's done really nothing as the seventh overall pick for the Detroit Lions. Um and the uh I'm trying to Nicholas, uh, I'm gonna have, I haven't even seen what Nicholas has done. Uh, the tight end out of, out of um, uh, four touchdowns. Notre Dame. Uh, 33 catches, four What's touchdowns. That? No, I'm making that up. <laughs> <laughs> Since you didn't know that one, I figured I could pull one over your eyes a little bit there. Yeah. Well, you, you can't ever do that. If I could find my, my smartphone, well, now I, would, I, wish I would they'd look taken it, it so off another offensive really lineman, th- great offensive lineman. Yeah, good offensive lineman would have been – would have been something something good, but you know, at the time, I don't think they knew that they were going to trade uh, that they were going to trade Logan Mankins if if they had known that. Um, maybe they don't. Uh, maybe they don't make that trade. But uh, Troy Nicholas one catch, oh, okay. sixteen yards, yeah. the Arizona Cardinals. So it wasn't exactly a, I, a, a great <laughs> a great year for all these great tight ends. J- Jason Morrow yeah. actually leads all. All the rookie tight ends with 24 receptions for 8.8 yards a catch. Anyways, thank you very much for uh, for joining the uh, Patriots Beat podcast here with myself and Bob Snowden. Um, and uh, good luck to the Patriots on Thursday night. Make sure to check us out on uh, on iTunes and Stitcher. And, of course, listen to the Patriots postgame Let me show mention after the Patriots quick. game. I'm, I'm going to be co-hosting of course you can. Wednesday night. Uh, past fourth and two, uh, our friend Murph has a prior commitment, so I'll be on there with the. Uh... You're hosting oh, past fourth and two. I'm sorry, hump day. Was, hump day. I, I thought it was hump show. day. Well, Murph's on both of those. No, he isn't. He's not on fourth and two, is he? He's on hump day. I'm no, gonna be on, on hump geez, day. You you... And uh, with Robin. Remind me to yell at Robin for not well, uh, for not asking you. me to co-host. <laughs> Oh, there you wow. go. There you go. Ouch. So anyway, I just throw that in. That that live Wednesday night. Um, I will be on. I I'll think be listening. The show starts at seven or seven thirty. I'm not even sure what time it starts. Okay. All right. Well, have we'll a talk great to you week, guys. everyone. Thank you very much.
voice for Internet Sports Talk Radio, CLNS Radio.